Why do you keep looking at me as if something is wrong? My name is Matthew Kroll. And Paris, they don't even speak English there. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film The Father. Jafaja. Jafaja. You, how long were you waiting to pull that I was out? Just all, all week, I've just been like walking around practicing my gold member uh, impersonation just for this moment. Well, uh, how was it? <laughs> email us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. How was Shahir's gold member uh, impersonation? I Do you really want to hear it one more time? I, I really don't remember anything else from that movie other, from, other than Jafaja and I love gold. It's kind of your thing. Yeah, I um, no, I, it's because that movie. I mean, I haven't seen it in forever. I remember the beginning with Tom Cruise. Right. That's oh, what I, remember. I forgot that entirely. <laughs> uh, but that's yeah. I, Beyonce's in it. Yeah, Beyonce's <laughs> in it. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like it's the weakest of the Austin Powers. Of course. Um, but why are we talking about this? Because why? it's Jafaja. Oh, it's Jafaja. Oh boy. Why are this... we doing Jafaja? Well, it's the last Oscar movie for the best picture that we need to cover. That's true. We don't need to cover it, but I think we've made it a we've made it a thing now, which is that we tend to do an episode about the Oscars this year, uh, every year, and that'll be no different this year. And we'd like to have covered every single film that is nominated for best picture. I think one year we should do every foreign film. Like we should do every sure. best international film as opposed to uh, because because the question I have about The Father, to be honest with you, is it's a fully UK production, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, That's yeah. what I gathered. Yeah, the director is French. The uh, screenwriter is English. The the main cast is English. Set in the UK. It's not in Best International Features. It's in Best Picture. Oh, gee. Wonder why that is. <laughs> it's funny. There's a great article on Vox uh, about the international feature film category and its origins. Uh, it's written by uh, Alyssa Wilkinson. Uh, it's really interesting to see like the origin of how that uh, category came about. It's um, sort of arbitrary place um, in terms of how films are selected there. There was a film last year um, that was from Nigeria, which was in English, um, but unfortunately was disqualified because it was in English, which is not something that... Uh, 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 a nominee in that category can be, despite the fact that the particular uh, region of Nigeria's primary language is English. Uh, it's almost <laughs> as if there might be another reason. Um. Well, what's your what's your ulterior read here? I mean, the ulterior read is is actually there's no ulterior read. What the read is is the rules are slightly racist. Like even if they don't mean to be institutionally. They kind of are because they're not taking into account the fact that, hmm, people that look a certain way might have their national, their actual country's language be English. Like there's a weird, there's a weird connotation. I, I, I wouldn't go so far as racist. Connotations. Uh, I, and, I think, I think what built. it is, is a, a cascading of rules that have built up over time that are no longer meaningful. Based around... <laughs> Based around probably some form of prejudice, but I, I, I'm yeah. not I'm not well versed enough. Let's go in, with prejudice. Uh, That's fine. I'm not That's well versed okay. enough in the history of how this category came about and what its precedents have been to level it uh, in that way. That is very true. I am just well versed in the history of the world in general, and normally, if there's an issue, nine times out of ten, it's racist. <laughs> so. Uh, Anywho. Well, uh, something that's not racist is a lovely email that we got this week <laughs> just saying how not racist we were. I like that. No, no, there, there's no mention of race in, the, in this. But a few, I actually don't remember when we discussed this, but uh, I think you asked the question, uh, which was, uh, what, uh, write us in if you listen to us without watching the movie first, which I think oh, yeah. I mentioned that a few people have reached out to me and said that they do. And a, Alias, uh, again, I apologize if I'm uh, pronouncing that incorrectly. We have uh, heard from Alias before and not for a while. So uh, I'm pleased that you took the time to email us back in. Yes. Um, I listen to you guys not only before I've seen the movie, not only to decide if I'm going to see the movie, mm. but also if I already know I'm not going to see the movie. Interesting. <laughs> your show, Tell us more. <laughs> your show functions as an excellent 
forum of ideas. The talking points may be sourced from the movie you review, but the discussions had on Only Movie Pod are always interesting in of themselves. Every episode's two or more intelligence hosts with different lived perspectives discuss a variety of subjects, always clearly defining the context beforehand. Knowing the source material that inspired the discussion is just the cherry on top of an already delicious ice cream sundae. Mmm, I'm hungry. And pretty frequently, episodes do sell me on the movie. Most recent sale? Bob and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Oh, that's You all lovely. had such energy and enthusiasm for that movie, it made me want to get in on the fun. And I was there to take that fun away because that was not a movie I laughed a lot that at. That is true. Elisa Jamie will be very pleased. Yeah, so thank you very much for that email, Alias. It's funny. Thank uh, you. Um, yeah, someone else reached out to me um, uh, saying that they appreciated that I voiced uh, a lack of uh, laughter at uh, Bob and Star go to Del Mar, and I responded with the Tobias gif from uh, Arrested Development saying, there are dozens of us, dozens. I don't know if, if describing the gif you respond with is as effective as the gif itself. Oh, no, I know, but this is an audio platform, so me describing the ones and zeros that make up the gif might be awkward. I guess. <laughs> I mean, you kind of love the gif. Doesn't matter. Mm. I'm not. I'm not an expert storyteller like the people I would weather the the father creators are. Well, nice little transition there. Yeah, that, that was cool almost that. English. I spoke. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, this movie. Uh, it was interesting because it's the one I knew. I think the least about. Yep. Before going in of the best picture noms. Mm-hmm. Nom nom nom. Uh, and uh, I gotta say. A uh, 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 very, 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 very light spoiler right up top. It's sad, <laughs> uh, and I, 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 you know, you gather that it's going to be sad pretty quickly. You but, have a, but you have an aversion for. Are you saying you have an aversion for sad movies? Not at all. But <laughs> I, I, what I, you know, it's interesting. Depending on my mood, I like to be warned if a movie is sad or not. Hmm. When I watched this movie, I was not upset that it was sad and whatever. I I easily flowed right into the into the state. I think this movie wants to put you in. Right. Uh, but sometimes I, I do appreciate when someone's like, "Ooh, yeah, uh, just you know, be in the right mood," or like <laughs> you know, like stuff like that. So I did want to just bring that up up top. I mean, I would uh, say almost every movie in the best picture category, Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Minari is kind of uplifting. Nomadland is a little sad. Uh, Promising Young Woman is a satirical. Sound of Metal is pretty sad. The Trial of Chicago 7 is meant to be sad, but doesn't really feel that way. Um, I think there's a fair amount of sadness to go around in this sure. in this pot of Best Picture nominees. I might, from from an internal thing that I dread the most. You dread <laughs> think, the sad movie. I No, I think I dread this movie's brand of sadness on a personal level. Okay. Uh, just that it's portrayed. Again, this is no... I'm sorry if I'm if I'm coming across as harsh. That is not what I mean to do. I think it, it pulls off sad real fucking well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was an interesting one to watch. It, you, know, it's, you know, it's doubly weird. Okay. So, uh, my week this week was odd. I had to reschedule the podcast record. She was uh, kind enough to oblige. And uh, the only you will time pay me I, back for this, by the way. Yeah, the only time I had available to me in this weird, busy week was to watch this at seven in the morning on Tuesday. <laughs> it so is a real I, seven o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday kind of movie. So I started my week with, with like, in my day with this movie. Uh, and it oh, put you me know, in a weird space for most of the day. Did I, I've told you this ritual of mine, which is that, uh, and I haven't been able to do this in a while because we don't, uh, because we limit screen time at home. Um, is that I love watching movies on a Sunday morning. Like I love, I love getting up first thing and putting on a movie on a Sunday morning. Like that is mm-hmm. my favorite thing to do. And for some reason, I, I, it's my favorite time of the week to watch a movie is like early Sunday morning. And then, oh, here's another fun story. I made a, um, a biochemist who's a friend of uh, my wife's who uh, my wife's did I say it like that I, I did oh, say it like that. I, I was like oh my god he's not gonna do it yeah, yeah but did I did it. say it like that uh, a very intelligent man the head of oncology at a at a major university uh, researcher and this person uh, in in a room full of biochemists and very very smart people came up to me and wanted to talk to me specifically because he knew I was a filmmaker and knew I liked movies because this person loves movies and this is Aww. again this was at a like a party filled with other uh, everyone has a phd except me at this party and uh, I, I the the reason this guy this person like he was um he had 
a really encyclopedic knowledge of film. It was kind of like the way that he, this person has a PhD and is a researcher in oncology, he applies the same sort of strategies to watching movies. Sure. And his thing was that he's a very busy person. Uh, so he wakes up at four o'clock in the morning and watches a movie before his kids wake up. And so he watches, he'll watch a film like the, he, like he knew really deep cut South Korean movies that okay. not a lot of people knew about. Um, and he will wake up at four o'clock in the morning, watch it before his kids gets up and then gets about his day. And he does this pretty much two to three times a week. Wow. Um, so right. look, Tuesday morning to wake up to watch the father. I, I know it might be, uh, awkward for for yourself, but, but I, 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 you know, look, I like a movie on a Sunday morning and this person likes a movie at four o'clock any day of the week. If you've trained yourself <laughs> and it sounds like this person did, yeah. it's probably quite lovely. <laughs> um, and it, look, it wasn't bad for me. It just, it's, it's a, it's a film that puts you in a headspace and then it's like, well, gotta go make internet cartoons. <laughs> and I was like, oh boy. Uh, oh so, boy. So, Matt, describe to me what the brand of sadness uh, in The Father is as, to, as uh, detailed by the IMDb synopsis. Well, they say, and may I quote, I will, thank you, <laughs> a man refuses all assistance from his daughter as he ages. As he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, and even the fabric of his reality. Ooh, the fabric of reality. We're getting into some, like, Christopher Nolanist territory, right? Right? I, I, yeah. I, I, the, no, because <laughs> this... Uh, the reality stone is in play, right? No. I mean, this no. is Thor. This is Odin. I mean, this is Odin in here. Right? I mean, maybe this is actually part of the MCU. <laughs> maybe this is. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Because you've seen Ragnarok, right? I may have. I think we've discussed it on the podcast. Yeah, there we go. So you know how uh, he was in a home. They put him in a home. This could have been Odin's human life before the begin before the like the third point of Thor Ragnarok. May I ask you a question? In your brain, is every movie part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Only ones that really connect, like this one just did. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we made that connection for you, and I hope the seven o'clock viewing then became a little bit more pleasant. Um, uh, no, no, it was, it was pleasant, fine. This uh, is an adaptation of Florian Zeller's play of the same name, of which there are actually a trilogy of plays: the father, the mother, and the son, uh, which uh, the mother and the son have played um, uh, on Broadway to to rave reviews. I think at one point uh, the Guardian called Florian Zeller the most exciting playwright of this generation, uh, and this is his directorial debut. Do you uh, think we're going to get the other two um if uh, i mean if this wins do you think that it's going to bring up the, the father cinematic universe here's like, what i would say yeah i would be excited to see the other two based off of what i saw on the father sure. i would be i i you know like if i if i was green lighting movies at a studio i'd be like let's make the florian zella parental uh family cinematic universe let's here's a question it, mm. do, it, and i don't know if you know this and if you don't i do not i'm telling you now oh wow i was gonna say do you know which play came out first i do not know okay uh, i in. believe this one is at gmail.com i, I uh, uh, just just running through the dates of what i read of this was written i believe this one may be the first but i could be entirely wrong about that i, do, I have not read the plays okay. i've read this uh, i i went and read the synopsis for the other two plays um uh based on this but i don't know which came first uh, i know isabelle Huppert played uh the mother in the mother which made me very excited um, not to be confused with mother exclamation point no not that not mother and uh, there is another movie called Mo no not i am mother but the mother at any rate You've got a lot of mother movies. <laughs> a lot of mother movies. Probably a lot of father movies as well. Yeah. Um, not least of which is Daddy Daycare. I loved this movie so much. And you're right. It is seemingly one of the least talked about movies in the um, arrangement of Best Picture nominees. Uh, just, to, just to reel those off again, uh, and we've talked about all of them here, is Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, uh, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago 7. It feels like the father was the kind of the, as we as I described last week, the, the reader of this year's uh, nominees, which is uh, like Hugh Jackman sang uh, at the 2008 Oscar nominations, the reader. I haven't seen the reader. I think a lot of people haven't seen the father. Um, but I just was floored by this movie 100% uh, from start to finish. I think this is um, not only a masterclass in performance, which I think is the reason it's getting um, the, the reason people 
are recognizing it is Anthony Hopkins' performance, which he's also nominated yeah. for best um, best actor as well. And of course, he's a much gilded um, or much recogn- well recognized actor. And he can uh, be as, both. He can be gilded and recognized. Right, well, you know, depending on uh, which um, lead he's in, I guess. Um, sure. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of conversation here about the performances. Of course, Olivia Coleman is in this as well, and she's absolutely delightful. I love seeing Rufus Sewell again. I haven't seen him a lot since uh, the Thirteenth Floor, which was oh, the wow. you know like. I, well, yeah. I'm sure I've seen. I know he was in The Man in the High Castle, which I watched a couple of episodes of. Um, but I was like, man, this dude has aged so well. Um, and this, but but coming back to this, this movie absolutely floored me. And I will say this, um, I maybe hot take on this, but I would be totally fine if this film won Best Picture. I think it's that good. Um, it is. It, I guess. The thing that the things that I love about it is that it's clearly adapted from a play. Never feels like it is is com- is deeply and compellingly cinematic in mm-hmm. its execution of storytelling, and is so thoughtfully considered in terms of how we move from scene to scene. So the central conceit that is happening here is that um, the way the narrative is constructed is we're essentially. Put in the position of the father, uh, played by Anthony Hopkins, Mm -hmm. uh, whose name is Anthony in the film, um, whose uh, grasp on reality is slowly withering away. And the film ultimately puts us in his headspace by changing actors in the middle of, uh, you know, during scenes, um, playing with time in terms of when um, scenes are play, uh, when how scenes are arranged with each other. And then it does a pretty amazing thing, which is that the set, uh, which is his apartment, is constantly changing uh, and redressed all the way through. Yeah. So that you're kind of put in that sort of off-axis point where you're looking at the background going, this has all changed and I don't know why and he doesn't know why. Um, then, on you know, to, to top it all off, it is, it is uh, centered with a pretty amazing performance from Anthony Hopkins who has that kind of uh, incredible ability to turn sort of old man charm into menace really quickly and on a dime. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this... To me, you know, the movie is terrifying because it kind of highlights the loss of the loss of personality that happens uh, to someone who is struggling with dementia. um, Where really personality is an interesting word to choose there. Yeah, I think. Well, the I think the loss of the personality that they have formed with other people. So, uh, for example, his relationship with his daughter is strained because he's he's particularly cruel to her throughout um uh throughout uh, the film um despite needing her and being entirely dependent upon her and i think there without giving away too much backstory in, in what we see in the film i think there's the implication that that the sort of veneer of um um, decorum that one would have with their daughter has been slipping away for some time and she is sort of bearing the burden of that uh, quite heavily throughout the film. So, you know, again, without going too much into spoilers and I would love to hear your opinion on this uh, being a Tuesday at 7 o'clock watcher, <laughs> I loved this movie. Uh, it really hit me hard and I was absolutely floored by it and it saddens me that it is the kind of least known about uh, Best Picture nominee but it is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, not to get too, uh, you know, personal on it, but um, my my grandfather, my mother's father, mm-hmm. uh, he has been going through something like this for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandmother passed away last year. I've mentioned on the podcast before. Uh, weirdly enough. Uh, well, I won't get into the the the, the details, but um, you know, as we age and 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 either Alzheimer's or other things sort of can set in, um, this is how it goes a lot of the time. And um, I know for a fact that my mother has dealt with um, similar issues that Olivia Coleman was dealing with in this movie. Um, uh, like dangerously close to so, and 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 Anthony was going through similar things t- to my grandfather. Like, 
you know, um, the the things that hit really close to home was like thinking that people are stealing, mm-hmm. and um, because because again, you have to imagine what that what that experience is like when you're not sure of exactly what's going on at any point in time. Like the 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 logical like lizard leap in your brain is like, oh, my watch is gone. I don't know where I put it. That's weird. I always know where I put my watch. Someone must have stole it. Mm. Like there's 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 logic to the the terror i guess i'll say he's and, also emotionally uh has emotional animosity to the fact that someone is coming to look after him so he's projecting his you know like anxiety about his memory onto that person so they must be stealing it yeah 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 i mean that that's kind of how this goes mm-hmm. i've been i've been um again sort of secondhand cuz of covid and i can't go see my grandfather as much as i'd like to um but uh, I, th- this entire film just rang so true to me based on stories and things I'd seen and things I'd experienced and what my mother's told me. And um, yeah, it, 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 this movie is one of those like one of those films where it's almost like a peek into the future. Hmm. Yeah, um, I think that is a fear with Alzheimer's and dementia, right? Yeah, I will. Well, like, but but I mean, I don't want. <laughs> We, you come here for the yucks. You don't come here for this. But the 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 truth is, there's a large chance if we all are lucky enough to make it to the age of Antony, and we are lucky enough to have people that are taking care of us, that this is a fate we might meet. Yeah, think- and you can't say that. I think percentage wise, as cleanly. With a lot of other films, at least let's even put it to this year, um, that are as emotionally wrought. Everything else has a a sense of like almost other to it. At least for me, hmm. like oh well, I'm uh, this is in the 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 I'm I'm gonna globalize. So try, don't like latch on to like the specific of what I'm gonna say. But like I'm not a musician. Hmm. I if I lost my hearing, it would be absolutely I I, w- I would have to relearn, and I would be I would struggle, of course. But like I don't. Like there's there's differences there, so like I'm always like, oh, I can empathize, but I cannot relate, right? Hmm. Or, or 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 at least as cleanly. Hmm. Um, this felt so close. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I I currently am not a person living out of my vehicle, being a nomad throughout the 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 country, right? Like I again, I can see it and I can emotionally relate to the characters. But that's not something like this just feels so eventual. <laughs> um, and uh, can I ask a question then? Yeah, yeah. Would you recommend your your mother watch this movie? Oh, fuck no. Really? Nope. Hmm. No. Uh, not now. Hmm. Um, possibly once my grandfather is gone. Mm-hmm. Um. But no, because uh, to be honest, I I made this point. I, uh, this is a oh man, I can't remember the name. There was some show on TV that I don't even want to. I won't even remember the name because a I can't, and b it doesn't hold a candle to this film. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was basically <laughs> I remember it being like uh, it was like a family show where like everything just kept happening that was terrible and inevitable to families. People got cancer. There were divorces. It was just like a, a, a cascade of sadness basically mm-hmm. throughout. And I always was like, why are people watching this thing? Like, mm. this is all stuff everyone's going to just deal with, like at some point. Uh, that's not, of course, what I feel like here. But there again, I go back to places of when I f- would feel comfortable watching a thing or like, for instance, I, like this movie is 100% excellent and I would recommend it instantly to anyone who is not currently going through this process mm-hmm. um, because I think you get enough of it in the process. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, but then th- there's the flip side to that coin too. That's my initial gut. Mm-hmm. There could be some catharsis found perhaps letting you know that this is a common thing that, that um, you know, that most every family will probably go through if people are lucky enough to live that long 
and they're in positions where they are fortunate enough or privileged enough to have enough money to take care of people, to put people into an assisted living facility that is somewhat nice. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of factors going into into this sort of thing. But uh, if we're talking specifically today, my mother, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, and and that that's uh, I'm not uh, I'm not um, suggesting that you should. Uh, by the way, I'm just uh, because I think this reveals a little bit about how we watch movies sure. uh, in a sense, uh, which is to say that there are definitely, when I became a father, um, there, uh, watching movies that featured children in harm was just very difficult, very, very challenging. Um, and um, I, I, I didn't enjoy the thought of watching a movie where a child was put in danger. I still don't, actually, to be honest with you. Um, I think watching children be harmed is something I, I um, now, now before, you know, before I was a father, I think I, I found it challenging, but now I found it uh, repugnant. Uh, and, you know, right. find it difficult to actually, you know, like actually put myself in a situation where I would watch that. That said, um, I think for me, the analogy that I brought up before, which is that I like to get up on a Sunday morning to uh, watch a movie is because I, for me personally, I think, you know, I've said this before, is movies are, are kind of a form of um, implicit religion in some way, uh, or the closest thing I would sort of suggest to religion, which is that mm-hmm. I find that the stories, uh, you know, the stories told through cinema um, help me navigate the world and you've had more than one conversation with me where uh the only reference point i will have to uh relating to whatever it is we're talking about is a movie um (laughs) yes that is that is happened quite a bit yeah that is uh that is how i live my life and um a quarter uh, mile, a quarter movie at a time. A quarter movie at a time, yeah, at least uh, four of those. Um, four for that them. hour and a half or less or more, you're free. <laughs> oh, I'm all about the OJ 10 hours, uh, by the way. Um, <laughs> but to bring it back to The Father, I think the thing about it that I find so compelling, which is that there are films like this uh, about dementia. You know, um, I think Sarah Polly's film, Away From Her, um, is a really great example of a film that is um, very much about a similar topic. Although, it actually, you know, and I, I actually really love that movie. Uh, it's got a great uh, central conceit about Alzheimer's in there. Um, you know, and, and um, the other film was uh, Still Alice, the um, um, the film that came out a few years ago um, that, that featured... Uh, oh, I, why do I keep forgetting this actress's name? I don't know. <laughs> because you don't know the actress that I'm talking about. I couldn't tell you because I don't know what you're forgetting. <laughs> it's going to be... Uh, wow, this is actually thematic to the film. Yeah, I know, and this is this is probably why... Uh, Julianne Moore. Why do I always forget wow. Julianne Moore's name? I'm wow. face blind. Um, uh, you know, still Alice, I think, had a lot to do with this. But I think what I like about The Father is that it's kind of wound because because it's so invested in getting us in the headspace of Anthony it's kind of wound like a thriller for me oh yeah uh, you know like you're always kind of like wait who you like while you're acknowledging at all times that this is fr- like the the mystery is happening because Anthony is having difficulty keeping up with reality it you, was a more grounded realistic version of i'm thinking of ending things Yes, or um, I was thinking of like the game or something like that. You know, I mean, either way, uh, yeah, yeah, like a Hitchcockian same film. movie. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you gonna say? But uh. but it, but because it, because even though we know that all of this is happening because actually, to be honest with you, I I didn't really know that the film was about dementia to begin with. Um, I knew it was about aging, and I didn't, you know, I thought it might have to do with the, his inability to look after himself, but I didn't really know that it was going to be about uh, memory loss. In five minutes, I knew, but maybe that's because I'm I'm tertiarily uh, familiar with this topic. Right, and then when he there's a there's a scene which which evidently you know when they're sort of discussing the missing watch, uh, and the fact that he has dismissed a carer that you know or he's gotten into an argument with another carer that was there uh, previously. Then the next scene, he's making himself tea. Uh, and then you can see that he's forgetting things as he's doing them. You know, so like he, 
Uh, he empties a plastic bag and then he doesn't know what to do with the bag, you know, yeah. with, with the bag itself and he puts it in his pocket. Uh, yeah. he, he sits out uh, a cup of tea and then just walks away from it, you know, immediately because he's just forgotten that he made it. And then he walks into another room and lo and behold, there's a stranger there who introduces himself as his hus- as his daughter's husband. And we've just had a whole conversation about his daughter uh, going off to Paris to meet a new, uh, to stay with another man. And that her husband was, um, you know, around, they'd split apart some time ago. So you're immediately, I like, okay, yes, this is a movie about um, dementia or, or memory loss and aging. But at the same time, my brain is going, who is this person? And I am trying to figure out who this person is in relation to this house. And I mean, they that's did, the perfect, you're being the perfect suture point to be in Anthony's position. Completely. And then, yeah. yeah, because then I am disorientated and horrified by not knowing what's happening. And I suddenly am like in the space of him trying to identify trying to piece together the pieces as he's in it, as he's witnessing them. And then I think the film just just keeps cascading that sort of set of discoveries where you know like things start turning and changing and in a way a lot of things don't add up. There are a lot of points where you're going I don't think these two things connect. But also that's kind of how he's experiencing the world. I would say, you know what I really respected about this movie is its restraint. Mm. Because you could, by act three, really go a little bonkers into the visuals and what you chose to do and like the way that that characters were seen, especially in in, in bouts of really like bad uh, memory loss in the film. Like I, I feel like you could go real hard. And it would be fine, mm. but the, but the level of of gentle restraint that still makes you feel off put and and terrible in certain ways, uh, effectively, like as the movie is meaning to do, uh, I I I really like seeing it because it it is a it is a less is more uh, film when it comes to how it is portraying the the loss of one's memory and person, mm. and it is so effective because this is this is how I think it would feel. Like yeah. this is the closest I've ever come to understanding my grandfather currently. Mm. Like because you can't like when you're when you're dealing with a person, this is going to turn to my therapy session, I apologize. Uh when you're when you're dealing with a person who's going through this stuff, it's interesting because there's a, a, an odd mix of 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 emotions that I've found. Um you want the person to be comfortable and you care about them and you love them, but also, especially when dealing with after a while, there's a level of frustration. And I think that level of frustration is natural, but also is a blocker to empathy. Hmm. Where here, when you're watching it, not only, but you're watching it from Anthony's perspective. So there's no there's no getting upset with Antony in a way like it's that's that scene where he describes uh outliving his daughter I was like man that is that's cruel no but you know what's interesting yes of course that is cruel yeah you I still do not blame Antony no I don't think there's blame allocated but it is it's rough sure but again I go back to personal experience in this it's hard to deal with that, but also you do know that that's, I mean, for lack of a better term, that is wires being crossed and not something that is like, tr- at least in my opinion and of the character and in the, in the things I dealt with in my own life in both cases, that is, that is a mind trying to piece things together and showing its own frustration with not being able to in a moment. And in my own life, when things like that have happened, I get frustrated. Mm. In this movie, I felt nothing but compassion, sadness, pity, etc. Because I've never experienced this from the other side. Hmm. Um, and it, look, this Anthony Hopkins, man, <laughs> what the fuck? Like it's it, it, it's it's it blows my fucking mind what this guy can do when you let him work. Like yeah, it's it's. It's truly outlandish how talented this motherfucker is. 
Have you, uh, I listened to a few interviews with him uh, about this, uh, about making this movie, um, and uh, it's really, it's really interesting because he's he's really self-effacing about his process. He's like, look, mm-hmm. I I just. I learn my lines, I turn up, I do my work, and then I leave. You know, I don't really take it home with me or anything like yeah. that. I'm not a method actor or anything. Um, I just kind of do it. And he, and, he, and he talks about the fact that he didn't really imagine himself becoming an actor. Um, he just kind of had that experience happen to him, and he happened to be good at it, and he just kept going with it. Um, and it's really uh, interesting because uh, I think he, you know, he talks a lot about the way in which you know, people will ask him how to how to create characters and how to inhabit worlds or how to put on a performance. Um, but he he just kind of talks about it as like, well, but you know, I just I just do it. Um, and you know, the interesting thing is, I think he's more passionate about music than he is about acting. I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's this really wonderful clip um, when he's at a concert and um, the conductor suddenly plays a piece of music that Anthony Hopkins wrote many years ago that was unpublished and he recognizes it immediately and he's just like you know it's kind of amazing because he's 80 something years old now and he's just like a delightful he seems like a delightful chap Um, uh, he's got actually he's he's on Twitter and he posts videos regularly on Twitter and they are a delight you know like he just seems like a a, like he's just like I'm loving uh, life at this moment Um, and and I think uh, what, but what I think the thing you're talking about in terms of his performance, a he does he gets these meaty roles because he is Sir Anthony Hopkins. So this is a pretty extraordinarily written script, uh, and that that scene where he uh, he sort of brings out the charm, uh, you know, like uh, as he meets uh, Laura, the 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 soon to be Kira, and Imogen he, Poots, Imogen Poots, and and he, um, you know, he says he, he suggests that he might have been a dancer at some point, and you can see that he's like flirting with this girl, um, and then he suddenly turns on it and he says, you know, you just reminded me of my daughter in the inane way that she would laugh, and then he starts walking around and giving this monologue about. Uh, how I'm going to outlive my daughter, and this is all a scheme to get this, uh, to get the flat from me. But I will never let that happen. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I was like, "Man, that's that's Hannibal Lecter in an old folks' home right there." That's like, you know, like um, there's such a sort of air of menace about him, and it's sort of like he's still. What I think it comes down to is his power to control language. He's like, he's so good at controlling his speech and his pauses and his intonations and, and like putting subtext in the right place so that, you know, like, you know what he's thinking when he says something uh, as, as being different to what he's actually saying. The right and fastest on the right syllable. Yeah, yeah. He's so good at that. Um, Nerd Writer, um, the YouTube uh, video essayist, uh, has a great um, analysis of one of his speeches from Westworld, and he talks about um, how, again how he how he plays certain lines so perfectly. Um, and oh, yeah, I just I, you know like remember Westworld. <laughs> I have not watched it actually, to be honest. Oh, I've, I've watched uh, like three episodes, and then I, every every episode, I felt like, man, this feels like a chore to keep watching this at this point. It's first good. Season, first season, super dope. Yeah. Second season, pretty super dope. Third season, for whatever reason, I didn't touch, <laughs> and it's not because like I didn't like the other two. Yeah, I was like, I was the same way with uh, with with season one, which is I was like, every episode is excellent, but as I start every episode, I'm like, man, this feels like it's going to be a lot of work. Like I wasn't like compelled to keep coming back anyway he's great in it um i like one of my favorite performances of any actor of any time is sir is anthony hopkins in uh the remains of the day i love that movie so passionately because he is so restrained and in that movie what you're searching for is the flickers of humanity in that character mm-hmm. a character who's like a butler to a expensive house who's who's meant to like not show any emotion but every now and again, he lets his facade slip, and you're just sort of watching these sort of like little moments of light in his eyes. Um, so he's extraordinary, and I think uh, Olivia Coleman in this film as the the suffering daughter is done so well as well. Yeah. She 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 really wears the weight of everything that is happening and carries the burden of being his daughter, so therefore being responsible for his care while constantly being abused by him so well 
And again, it's that sort of moments of restraint, like uh, in the elevator where she where he says, uh, have, "Have you had a haircut? You're looking really good." And she just lights up for a second. You know, it's that sort of parental mm-hmm. uh, approval that that just comes for a moment. Um, so, I mean, yeah. she's great in everything. Uh, what's it called? The, the favorite, the favorite is, the la- yeah. is the last film film I think I've seen her in. I also I uh, I, I rewatched uh, Hot Fuzz recently, and she, oh she, yeah, she's just a delight in Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Um, oh, so, what a great movie Hot Fuzz is. Yeah, Hot Fuzz is great. Um, so I, I just the, there's there's so I, there's so much work in this movie that's that's so that's seemingly effortless from everyone and i just I, like again uh, to me the cherry on top of all of this is the is the way the set is used and the way in which the the apartment becomes kind of this floating metaphor for his loss of memory the just before we jump in I, the one thing i was going to say is like a movie another movie the movie i thought about a lot in terms of its construction and how it gets you into the headspace of a character with a fractured memory is memento and i was like man this is like you know young christopher nolan all over again uh in terms of this being a first film um just in the, you know, just the way that construction is is so so perfect at getting you- us into his headspace can you speak to that a little more? Because I'm having I haven't watched Memento in ages. Yeah, I don't remember. Like, you remember the central conceit of Memento? Of right? course I do that. But like, but, but the but you never it places don't change in his memory in that. Film. No, but what happens in Memento? I, I think one of the, the the best examples of this in Memento is uh, there'll be these cuts to black where a memory will stop and then suddenly. Um, we'll be. Uh, there's a scene where Guy Pierce's character is chasing someone, and he says, "I am I chasing him, or is he chasing me? I don't know." And then we play out you're that. Talking, s- you're talking about the between scene. I got you. No, no, but also what it does is, you know, in Memento, you get into his headspace, which is that you're trying to piece together the pieces for a man who can't right. do it himself. Copy. And then okay. as the movie plays out, you start piecing those pieces together. Makes sense. Um, and so that's, you know, like I was I was struck by, again, uh, it's not a sort of immediate comparison, but Memento and The Father have a lot in common in terms of the way they use uh, editing to, to create misdirection and confusion that the audience has to work towards um, resolving. And yeah. in this case, you don't really resolve a lot of it. Um, you know, it gets it gets more and more tragic. Um one one last thing the is that it really reminded me of I, I think the way the sort of revelation that the film gave me was realizing how much the onset of dementia places you back into a position of almost being a child again in terms of your dependency and your capacity to make sense of the world and how much you need other people to help you make sense of the world yeah um and the last scene obviously like you know when when he says what he says um just yeah i I was in tears the whole time you know because it just reminded me that the that life is kind of like a cruel circle i mean you're not wrong uh well i mean yeah yeah it The last thing I think that really sort of hit me, well, actually, it was in the first third, and then it kind of comes back near the end. When they start changing actors' roles, Mm -hmm. that was sort of like, so there's there's a three-point thing, right? Like, he doesn't remember what he's doing in small moments, actions, etc. The house keeps changing along with, you don't quite know, really, till near the mid to end, whose house it actually is. Yeah. Uh, and then also there's the changes of actors in roles. Mm. And you don't really know who's who till the end. And even then, if you wanted to, I'm sure you could extrapolate sort of a couple different things because there's the hospital staff versus the, uh, Olivia Coleman as the daughter. But like mm. that changes because then uh, two Olivia's no, nonetheless, I believe Olivia yeah. Williams, Olivia think, Williams the other one. a delight as well in this movie. She's got a smaller role in this movie, yeah. but uh, uh, definitely a movie crush from when I saw her in Rushmore years yeah. ago. Uh, so it's like, uh, the 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 switching of actors, and again, I I go back when 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 someone you've known your entire life does not know you, mm. um, that is a particular brand of hell. Yeah. Um, and I can only imagine. Again, closest I've ever experienced is is from Anthony's perspective in this film, the opposite side of that hell, the other side of that gate. Yeah. Um, 
And this movie does it. Like, this movie gets you there. And it's not something that I really... Like, if you told me you were doing this on paper, hmm. I'd be like, okay. Hmm. Like, I, I, I wouldn't think it would be pulled off as well as it was. Right. Um, there's a certain uh, magic to all of this, be it Anthony Hopkins or um, or Anthony Hopkins. I called him Anthony Hopkins. Which he he I guess calls himself Anthony in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, you know, all the actors, the, the set design and the, the set move. I'll call it set movements, even mm. though, uh, <laughs> the, you know, Scenic did a really good job. Yeah. Um, uh, even, even the way that, like, the colors played through, like, sometimes colors just shifted in the apartment, mm. not just stuff. Yeah. And that was interesting. Um, yeah, it, it gives you the full-blown picture. Um, and, if, and if we haven't – this is the interesting thing. We've kind of told you the story. Hmm. Uh, we've kind of spoiled most of the film. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, like you, you will, whether or not you went in fresh on a Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. or right after you finish this podcast, I do think it's going to hit you with the same ton of brick emotional weight that, that this movie was designed to do. And I don't think us talking about individual moments, like, will will take anything away from you yeah um, you you and i had just a sort of off uh off mic oh, moment yeah. where we were discussing uh whether you should say a certain line from the film and i think we can if we if we can go into spoilers about that line and why i think why i was sort of hesitant to give it away at this moment um we, by the way i i may have just been uh, a little bit more uh overthinking it than you're anything. protective you're protective of the audience i, I am because that, that moment it's it, so the line is I'm losing all my leaves. Well, I feel like I'm losing. I feel all like my leaves. I'm losing all my leaves. I was going to say, "What is up, Internet?" I feel like I'm losing all my leaves. But the reason I wanted to protect that moment in this conversation, other than you know discussing spoilers, so we hope you've seen the movie now, <laughs> is this movie has such a magnificent final shot that is related to that line that hit me like a ton of bricks, and I want because that the, the in fact, it's got a very subtle visual effect that gets you to that point. Um, but it's such a beautifully rendered cinematic moment that makes, like, for me personally, like, my brain, you know, kind of fired off in all directions as I saw that the, the final mm -hmm. image. And it's so good that I, I just felt very protective of, of experiencing that moment firsthand. Um, because it, I, I just, I, it's, it's, it's kind of staggering that this is someone's first film and look, there's a few, quite a few first films in the best picture race this year. Um, but this is so, I think the thing you were talking about earlier was like how and which uh, the, the way in which performance and set and colors and tone are all kind of played in this film. There's such a control over all the elements, um, that, uh, that feels really meticulous and mm -hmm. considered and intelligently thought out, like when we will replace an actor is at this moment, and then we'll switch them back at this moment. It doesn't feel like the, it doesn't feel like there's sort of a tomfoolery going on or a sort of uh, trying to do a gotcha to the audience. It feels like there's a real considered, like, how will we displace the character at this moment? And how will that displacement manifest itself? There's no gotcha because a gotcha requires you to get it at some point. Like as a character or a person, like you're, you, at one point you have to be like, and this is what's real. And you're like, oh, you got me. This doesn't have that. There is uh, one moment that really did kind of shock me. I don't know if it was the well, same. Well, yes, but that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about from the char from the from the main character's sort of perspective in the way that the world treats or the the way that he perceives the world. Yeah. Um I I so I on that end of that conversation didn't think the line would ruin anyone's enjoyment because if you're hearing that line and you haven't seen the movie, you would hear that line before you got to the shot. Mm. And I do go back to even if we, even after, and I'll even say it now, even after we've gone through spoilers and Shahir has described exactly what sort of happens a little bit to a point, like the, what happens there, you're guessing, I'm guessing you can imagine what the shot is. Yeah. Um, oh, we can do spoilers now. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a shot of, it's a shot of trees yeah. and leaves uh, at, after a certain point. Uh, I don't think that your experience will be hampered or ruined by that. Um, but... 
I, I, I respect the 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 love of the game. Well, it's, uh, I, I think for me it was, I, I think from a writing point of view, um, at that moment, I felt like that was a str- Like when he said the line, I feel like I'm losing all my leaves. Um, I felt like that was a, a very written moment in amongst uh, a monologue that was very human and, you know, like vulnerable. He was basically like, it felt like that line was an intellectual line versus what he was saying right in that moment, which is like, I want my, you know, he was almost regressing into childhood. I want my mummy to come fetch me. And he's like, you know, I don't want to be anymore. And that's, you know, he was, he was, he sounded to me like a child at that moment. And then for him to say, I've lost all my leaves suddenly felt like an intellectual line at that moment. And I, and I was kind of like, Oh, that's, that's, but it's a very purposeful line because the very last shot is of a sort of tree, uh, a summertime tree, which is like full of leaves and the thing that that scene gave to me was the sense that every life is rich and full and there is so much to every human being. And that's what I saw in that final shot, which was that these leaves are all of his, you know, like the rich detail of this person's life that he is losing a grasp of. And, and that's why I, and I was just, I was struck by how perfect, um, a constructed image that was and how well conceived that idea was in that scene. Um, so when I saw it, I was just like, Oh my God, this is, this is so good. You know, like it's just, it's so, you know, like to do a sit up and pay off so quickly and dicks to each other is really hard. You know, like it's, it's sort of a cheap trick, but that does, there's nothing about it that feels cheap in the way it's executed. Um, sure. I mean, again, I, I go back to some, some minor experiences in my own life. Um, that happens. Mm. They, there's moments of childlike regression into moments of what you sort of called like a written moment. I, something that I I really respected about Anthony Hopkins' performance was even though his memory is going, even though he regresses near the end, even though he gets angry and cruel on, on occasion, his intelligence does not go hmm. there is and, and i mean that by not like there, there's memory and intelligence are two different things in fact i think it's probably i think the experience of 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 losing your memory is probably worse the more intelligent you are hmm. because i don't I, I again i have my own microcosm of experiences and everyone else has their own and i don't want to try to put that on to globalize the situation as much but in my experience the intelligence doesn't go away it's the ability to access the, how the world functions in front of you hmm. like um my grandfather can still remember uh, complex words, phrases, poems. Uh, he, he was a he was a computer scientist. He 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 back in the day, uh, like with, with punch cards and shit, and he like remembers that stuff. Hmm. But day to day, he couldn't tell you if he ate lunch or not. Right. Like there, there's. So like that moment of regression into a, a, a quite poetic sentence that we were discussing felt so real because it doesn't like you just it it it's been my experience that just it, it just switches and yeah. you're like it, and it is off-putting in the moment where you're like oh but again seeing it in the film i was like yep yeah. and i i don't yeah that final shot i just think um there's nothing like visually extraordinary about it but the film has built up a tapestry for why symbolically that shot means a lot and yeah. it's a perfectly executed final moment of any movie. Yeah. Um, the I, I sort of I, I went and you know just read some some perfunctory, really simple uh, explanations of how Alzheimer's works uh, and how dementia works, and it's really fascinating because essentially the the synaptic connections in our brain stop being able to fire because of um, a sort of a, uh, am, it's called an amyloid plaque buildup, um, which stop, prevents your brain from sort of connecting synapses together or mm-hmm. uh, synaptic firing happening. And it's just kind of amazing to think that essentially there's a biochemical reason why it's happening. Um, and 
uh, it's funny because then I, I started going down the rabbit hole of like, talk, you know, thinking about like people are talking about uh, at what point should you intervene in Alzheimer's because um, most of the symptoms don't appear until it's kind of too late. You've either already got the, the sort of amyloid plaque buildup in your brain by the time, you know, anyone can do before it's too by the time it's too late to do anything about it. Um, and so they talk about um, uh, what you need to do. There's no sort of absolute science behind this, but it's like keeping your brain active and firing synapses and then leading a healthy diet and lifestyle and, you know, exercise. Those things will help keep your brain function high. But, you know, if you have um, um, uh, genetic um, uh, triggers for Alzheimer's as well, it's like, you know, those are whether, whether you leave a healthy lifestyle or not, you could still be at play. Uh, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. No, no. I mean, it's 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 your percentage hey, points gets up. Listen, yeah. listen. I you, I thought about it. Yeah. Like I've thought about it before this movie, and I thought about it after this movie. Yeah. Like there's some shit there. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and and so the uh, so I, I went and started listening to Anthony Hopkins talk about writing this movie or uh, working on this movie, and one of the things he did repeatedly in the interview that I was going to play for us at the end of this uh, discussion was that he, he, he recites poetry and he talked about that briefly in the interview that the reason he does that is it gives his brain a task to do, which is that he reads long poems and tries to, and remembers them wholesale, you know, as he would if he was reading lines sure. for a play. Um, should we should we play that line right now before we before we wrap this up? We can do, yeah. I I because I think the, the this is uh, from the love song of uh, J. Alfred Prufuck, uh, the T. S. Eliot poem, and I think you know again if you listen to this interview, uh, which is on Q on CBC, mm-hmm. it, he just he, he's not he's just pro- you know like he's just turned up for an interview and he's prompted to like you know talk about his thoughts on aging and life and he just starts reciting poetry and <laughs> perfectly by the way and he has the exact perfect point of how to correlate what he does in this movie or why this movie works with a poem that he happens to have at his fingertips, um, which is kind of, you know, again, maybe why he's a genius as an actor isn't necessarily just his technique, but his understanding of humanity and his thoughtfulness. Let us go then, you and I, when the evening is spread out against the sky, like a patient etherized upon a table, let us go through certain half-deserted streets, the muttering retreats of restless nights, in one like cheap hotels, and sawdust restaurants with oyster shells, streets that follow like a tedious argument of insidious intent to an overwhelming question, oh, do not ask, what is it? Let us go and make our visit. In the room, the men come and go, talking of Michelangelo. That's from TSL. I can't do it without getting cheerful, because it's about life. It's about coming to the stage of life where it's not even pain. It's not even depression. It's a kind of sweetness. It's a kind of yearning. And I think that's what it is for me. He says in the end, he says, I have seen the moment of my greatness flicker, and I have seen the eternal footman hold my coat and snicker, and in short, I was afraid. I think what's beautiful about that, and maybe what's beautiful about this movie and the way I think about movies in general is that the way he's describing it reads to me as hopeful for the about the impermanence of life and about the struggle of life. And he captures that in this movie, in that final moment when he's being embraced by Olivia Williams, and she says, you know, we've got to go outside, even though uh, it might rain, if it's sunny right now, we've got to take a chance and go outside again. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, again, this movie kind of is coming. Look, the Oscars are the Oscars, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I love about the Oscars at times is drawing attention to a film that changes your life and changes the way you think about the world. And that is one of this one of these movies, and and it's so perfectly calibrated. You asked if I'd want to see the the mother and the son. I absolutely would. 
Oh yeah, same. I was just I was just curious. I I I, I wonder if they'll be because I kind of I kind of see this in the same uh, thing as before. Before sunrise, sun, before sunset. Sunrise, yeah, yeah, like yeah. that whole that whole that old chestnut. That old chestnut. Um, yeah. Um, no, movie's great. Uh, <laughs> w- don't watch it. Maybe not at seven in the morning on a Tuesday. Unless you you're a biochemist uh, or the well, that, that's the of oncology. That's different. That's a whole different ball game. <laughs> so, with that in mind, we have now officially reviewed and discussed every single best picture nominee. Mm-hmm. They are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank. Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago 7. We do this every year as an exercise. Now having seen them all, what would you... I, I guess we sometimes we do it in two different ways. Like sometimes we say, what would you pick to win and what do you hope wins? Well, what do you think will win? What yeah, do you what hope we'll think wins? think will win and what we'll hope... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Trial of the Chicago 7 is going to win. Really? I, I hope... I hope... Minari wins or the father wins. Hmm. I, I I I think Minari is still my favorite of the best picture noms. Mm-hmm. What uh, if the Trial of Chicago Seven wins? Well, what do you wait? How do we do this? What do you hope wins? You Minari? You I hope, hope Minari. Minari wins or the father? I'd be happy yeah. with either. Yeah. Um, but you think the Trial of Chicago Seven is going to win? Yep. Because of the sag, the sag win. And it is the the words that shall not be named on this podcast. So uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. happy to name it. I, I, I'm just not a fan of it. But uh, yeah, um, I know no, if we speak it three times, it comes through the mirror. So we shouldn't. <laughs> what about you? What, what's your what's your expectation and your hope? My hope is that either of these films win: The Father, Minari, or Sound of Metal. My expectation is i think nomadland will win interesting yeah hey could happen yeah but i but but this is the thing again the father is one of the least discussed and both of us have said this is without a doubt uh, of these films there are there is it, it's it screeds away from many what? of these uh, it, it, it's it's also it's Wait, also what'd you say? what's that word screeds screeds yeah is screeds a word? Eh, maybe I don't know. Let's Google it. Um, I mean, I'm doing it right now. Yeah, let's do it right now. It. Just uh, I believe it is. Screeds Screed. definition. Screeds a long, a long speech of writing, of typically writing. one regarded as tedious. A leveled layer of material. It screeds away. So not really. Not really. But that's interesting. A form uh, of screeds in a long screeds is three meaning in building construction. All right. What is the word screeds for? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Believe uh, me, I don't know words. I was just, I just hadn't heard it before. It's uh, light years away from several of the films that are on the list. Yeah. And, you know, as much as um, I love David Fincher, I, I think The Father is um, is far and away a superior film to, to Mank and Promising Young Woman, which I was not as huge a fan of. As and much as I su- liked yeah. Mank, uh, I think it's the weakest of all of them. <laughs> The Trial of the Chicago Seven is, is to me the weakest. Ah, link. But, no, but, I, I disagree. Yeah, but what, whatever. They're all excellent movies, and and um, you know mileage may vary. But I, I would be. It would be the upset of the year if the father won, because not a lot of people have seen this movie. Sure, and not a lot of people. Uh, talk maybe about Anthony Hopkins will win, though. Maybe that's how it'll play. Who knows? Like, yeah. You know what? Tune into an Oscar episode if we do one, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um. But anyway, this has been the only podcast about the film The Father. Shahir, when you are not staring into the void known as your own mortality, where can folks find you? You can find the darkest holes of my soul uh, at my website, www.shahirdow.com, where you'll find my commercials and other work. Um, Matt, when you are reflecting upon your uh, breakfast movie watching habits, what, where can people find you? You can find me being real hungry till about 9.30 when I actually ate breakfast over at my website, <laughs> M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com, my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram, or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. Uh, also, please check out the good works we are doing over at Extra Credits. By the time this comes out, we will have released our first episode on Jewish pirates. Uh, it is fascinating. It's sort of a new layer of study that um, our writer, Robert Rath, uh, has just sort of dove into. It's kind of a budding uh, historical time right now for that. Like, they're still finding things out about it. But basically, um, Jewish folks who uh, fled Spain during the Spanish Inquisition 
kind of were real good at being Mariners and were real mad at Spain. So they just, some of them became pirates and started stealing stuff from Spanish galleons. And it's pretty dope. Um, There's there's some, it's deeper than that, of course, but uh, there's some stuff there. Uh, And then, oh, if you haven't already checked it out, we just did an episode on the Furies, the Greek myth, plus the villains, or villains, not really, the characters from the game Hades. We kind of talk between the two two versions, so that's very good as well. I am looking to play Hades at some point, but I just don't know. You would really like Hades. It's hard, but then it gets easier. It's a a roguelike, so, like, you die a million times, but every time you get a little bit stronger or you learn something. I still haven't beaten it, but the, the story and the voice acting is phenomenal. Um, and the graphics are sweet. It's super giant is a, is a genius machine. Uh, <laughs> the company, the developer that makes it. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, next week, what do we do? We're doing uh, one of the foreign nominees. Correct? I would love to do uh, another round. Uh, Kivita, um, uh, the other Let's film. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I think you, what wouldn't... else are we going to do? Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> um, I would also love to do collective, to be honest with you. Uh, Kyo Vida Ada, I think was going to, is, is meant to be great. I don't know much about the man who sold his skin or better days, but I hear that. I mean, th- this is the thing with the Oscars is usually the international feature films are more interesting. Um, and I've seen another round, which I, which I think you will enjoy. Um, so which one are we going to do? I'm not sure yet. I'm going to make a call. Why why don't we put up a poll? We'll put up a poll. But I think if we're leaning towards something, I'm going to say it's another round, which is pretty easily accessible right now. Features our other favorite Hannibal, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Um, So it should be uh, should be on point. I know also well you are you are excited about. some video game translations uh, that is currently uh, Mortal happening. Kombat did get moved to a couple days before my birthday, so happy birthday to me. That's what we're doing. Uh, uh, the, we'll have to decide it's if we're going It's also my birthday as well, so do I get a birthday movie? If you want, <laughs> but it's after my birthday movie. When, when's uh, your, is your birthday before mine? I think it's like two days before yours. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, the, should yeah, we, no, should, more, should we do another gift of movies? You're giving me Mortal Kombat. i got to give you something. If you want, uh, we can. But we have to decide if we're going to try to squeak in Mortal Kombat on its weekend release to get out that thing, or if we want to wait the week. I don't care. But uh, going for those sweet, sweet clicks. Write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. If you've got a movie request that you would like to fulfill, or if you uh, just want to tell us uh, that we're not dumb, like I had uh, suggested in the previous episode. I'm still sticking by our name, by the way, Two Dumb Queens. Uh, that's fine. We're no. Two Dumb Four Queens. Two uh, Dumb Four Queens? Yeah, because we're in Queens, and we're too dumb for it. Um, Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, we will talk at you next week. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a lovely morning, afternoon, evening, or good night. I went Truman Show there. I don't know why. It's a great movie. Yeah, why not? All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.